Hello and welcome to Omens and Epiphanies. I'm Grace and I'm going on a journey. I hope you'll join me. When I first started this podcast, I had grand visions of a weekly podcast, which having a full-time job, actually having one almost full-time job and one part-time side job and doing this became far too much. So I'm going to be more honest with myself because it took me a full year to do 13 episodes. That'll be my goal for next year. Let's shoot for 15. (laughs) Um, But I will finish this podcast because it really does help me when I'm trying to um, do my spiritual practice to actually do this because otherwise, and I've learned this over the past couple months, I won't go... (laughs) and do this research on my own. And I won't um, look up all this interesting things. So um, I am recommitting to this. It's been four months, um, but I have 151 plays, 13 of which are my own, sure, but that's still more than just me listening to this. So um, I hope you out there are getting as much out of this as I'm putting into it. But if not, I'm learning a lot, so let's just go along with my healing journey, my witchcraft journey, and just see what happens. I also want to apologize right now because I'm right next to the fridge, Um, (laughs) so uh, you might hear that noise in the background, but I've learned that uh, if I stress too much about background noise, I won't do this podcast at all, so uh, buckle up, kids, because we're going big or going home. The card today is Temperance, which is the 14th card of the Major Arcana. And um, I'm going to come at this from a little bit of a different angle. So let's go back in time. Oh my gosh, how many years ago was this? Probably about seven years ago or so. (laughs) Um, Eight years ago, I started making these little stone and wire trees. (laughs) Those are my cats fighting in the background, but it's fine. Um, I started making these little stone and wire trees. You can actually check out Touch of Grace um, on Etsy or touchofgrace.net and then follow the link to Etsy if you want to go check those out. I also might post a picture on my Instagram for this, but that seems a little, I don't know, like I'm crossing streams or whatever. So anyways, I made these little stone and wire trees and, um, I, uh, was already part of the spiritual community. And one of my master teachers said, Hey, you should come to this, um, mystical event and sell your trees and do tarot readings. And I was like, okay, great. So I went to the lady who's running it and I said, I want to sell these. And she's like, great, but tell me about the tarot readings. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that while I'm sitting here, but look at my trees. And she's like, okay, great. Do a tarot reading for me. (laughs) I was like, okay. So I did. And that event was actually exactly what she estimated. It was a lot better for my tarot readings than it was for um, my trees. And the crazy thing is, is that I've only ever done at that point tarot readings for maybe myself. Um, some friends, but never like an, an event where people I don't know come in and pay me to do a reading for them. That was crazy. And that event, y'all, I learned so much just from doing that event. I learned so many card meetings that I, that I hadn't known before that, um, that's my cat eating in the background. <laughs> Listen, if I, if I ignore it, you'll ignore it, right? Okay. Deal. Um, And one of those cards was temperance because temperance up until that point was a mystery to me. Okay. It's and the card I'm looking at right here in front of me, which is not the same as the one that I read with. That was the, um, 
Shadowscapes tarot. This is the Sun Moon tarot. But in either way, there's somebody with one foot on land, one foot in a stream, and there's water flowing from one hand to the other. And it almost looks like it's flowing up or at least defying gravity in some way. And I was like, what the hell does this mean? Like defy gravity? What? And then I realized that the water is coming from the, the river. This is channeling. And as soon as I said that, and that card had been showing up all freaking day, y'all. Every time I said that it was channeling, they went, oh yeah, that makes sense to me. So that's just my, this is my interpretation of channeling right here, is taking information from one source and sending it somewhere else. And it just really works out really well. Um, so let's talk more about the temperance tarot card. Um, there's, in the card I'm looking at right now, um, they're the person who has one foot in the water and has the two, um, the two hands of water going between them is holding a black cup and a white cup, black in the, their right hand, white in their left hand. I don't know if that matters or not. And they have this really cool, um, kind of crazy braided hair pattern in their head and black and white wings along with a black and white dress and a, um, there's like a red underlining of the dress. Like it kind of slits down the middle and it's red with an arrow pointing up. Actually, I think that's an alchemy symbol that I did not look up because I didn't see it until just now. And then from their back, there's this sort of steam rising. Um, and it's, I say steam cause it's a couple different streams that it's, and it's really random, but it all stays together. And then up in the sky is the yin yang symbol where there's one black, um, I, you've seen the yin yang symbol. I don't really know how to explain it apparently. Um, but it's made up of the two colors of the sky, not black and white, like everything else in this up in the corner, um, is the symbol none, which is about fish life and change. So in all, in this deck, every card has a Hebrew, um, counterpart, uh, yeah, counterpart's a good enough word. In numerology, the 14th card simplifies down to five because one plus four is five. And five is a card of conflict, action, and imbalance, which is so strange because of all the balance in this card um, with the yin-yang and the different directions. So I, I guess that yin-yang is in balance, balancing, right? There's no, um, without one, the other is just a semicircle kind of looking thing or a teardrop, I guess. According to, um, Ooh, you know what? I've done a lot of work on this <laughs> four months ago and I forget which source this is from. So it's either from Tarot 101 or the handbook. Um, but red is a very masculine color. You also might see snakes on the temperance card. Um, white is a very feminine color. You might see that. Um, you also might see some bees. Fire is an active color. There's no fire in the card that I see in front of me, but there is some in other ones. And water is a very passive. So it has all of these complementary um, uh, feminine, masculine, black and white, um, passive and active, all of these balance together to make this um, card whole and balanced. Um, and then there's also sometimes a cauldron. I don't think that any of my cards have cauldrons, but maybe yours do. The cauldron is the divine womb where the uniting of the polarities takes place. Ooh, what could, that was not my language. <clears throat> that was a direct quote from whatever book I got this from. <laughs> it's Tarot 101 or the handbook. Um, and 
in those two books, in Tarot 101, it says, quote, Temperance on the surface simply indicates the ability to moderate one's behavior so that one does not practice lack of virtue or excess of it. It is, the, it is associated with the capacity to control oneself and govern one's feelings, appetites, and desires with the use of one's will and reason. The um, tarot handbook um, uses the words integration, synthesis, and synergy. So this is one of those times where my interpretation of the card is different than the traditional card meaning. So everybody else <laughs> in the traditional sense says that it's about um, balancing the two different two different sides, finding that synergy, um, finding balance. Um, I have other cards that mean balance for me, and we'll talk about that not today. Um, we'll talk about that at some point, but I wanted just to say that that is where I differ. I read temperance as channeling, others read temperance as finding balance, and you can do it a different way. That's totally fine. You can do it the way I do it. You can do it a way that somebody else does it. There's no, there's no right or wrong here. I also have another quote um, from a book that I just labeled EW, so I need to figure out what that is. Um, balance and moderation in all aspects of your life. Go with the flow. Find your purpose. Um, and then they mentioned tree posts. Stay rooted to the earth, to your own core. Stay calm and composed and don't struggle too hard. And then I had also recently gotten the Tarot of the Divine by Yoshi Yoshitani. Um, and in the Beneath the Moon book, it says, quote, the Buddha has told, mm, I'm so sorry, Avalakite Shivara. Oh, that sounded right. That if they wish to help all of the creatures of the universe, they must be motivated by kindness, love, and compassion, and must never give up or grow tired of the work. Now, in the Terror of the Divine, um, Yoshi goes through different religions and different stories from different places all over the world. So this is a story about the Buddha. Um, the Buddha is the temperance card in that deck. Okay. Now, um, I started doing um, alchemy as the second half of this card. But instead, I am going to be talking about healing. This card just feels like healing to me. So I know that it was channeling. And when I heal, I channel. So I actually want to talk about that and then talk about other types of healing for other practitioners and just kind of see where I stand. So, gosh, um, many years ago, <laughs> six, maybe five, five or six years ago, maybe more than that, actually, um, I went to a retreat on this beautiful little local island that takes a ferry to get to, but the ferry doesn't run at all times of the day. Um, so you really have to be there at a certain time and then you can't leave after a certain time. So some locals on the other side of the ferry have actually started, um, offering just a bed. <laughs> they have a, they have, um, contacts with people who live on the Island just in case they miss the last ferry because of traffic or whatever. Um, so I, I digress though. We were on this little Island and okay, but that's a train and then we're going to pause for the train. <laughs> that's a great place for a, uh an ad <laughs> train ad time um while i was waiting for the train i looked it up and it was 2016 so five years ago almost six years ago because i am on the eve of 2020 as i or sorry 2022 
<laughs> as I record this. Um, but we went and it was oh well, probably 10 of us. Um, there were different locations we could stay. There was a big, it was one of those hot tubs that looks like a witch's kettle. Um, so, you know, we could, it was literally like you put wood underneath it and started a fire and then <laughs> the, it was like cast iron or something. So you just boiled alive. Um, but it was really comforting in the freezing cold. So I enjoyed that. I did get locked out of the house, um, without much clothes on and it was freezing. So that was fun. But <laughs> all of that to say that um, at the end of that retreat, we did healing. So um, we used Palo Santo probably and drumming and rattling and um, just this affirmative healing. And the woman who was running it sees auras. I've talked about her husband in the death episode, um, Elka McCartney. And um, as she sees auras, she can kind of clear them out, clear any bad things. And I had been, um, I, I hadn't, I had known her for probably about eight years at that point, and maybe even longer. <laughs> so I've known her through many relationships, um, and so I had, I, I'm used to her um, healing abilities, and so she asked me to step up and support from the other side. So when she was um, smudging the front or smoke cleansing the front, because smudging is an appropriated word, I apologize. Um, I would, I would stand in the back and drum and support the healing. And at some point during that retreat, I started getting this reoccurring feeling that I should reach out and just grab something. And that's kind of how she does it, right? She'll, she'll use the smoke to clear. And then once the, once the aura is clear, she can reach out and she'll pull out, um, you know, broken arrow tips, uh, darkness, <laughs> little bugs, um, all energetically speaking. And those are all the things that she sees. And I don't see these cause I don't see auras. Right. But I just kept getting this feeling to just reach out and kind of twist my hand and pull and then send the energy out into the ocean. Cause we always find somewhere to send the energy. And, um, this happened multiple times as I was helping support the healing of all 10 of these, of these people. Um, and that's the day that she said, um, you're not a shaman in training anymore. <laughs> I went, oh, we still have not yet done a, um, uh, like an official ceremony or anything like that. But I have, I've run drum circles for her. Um, and this is part of that process, I think, is I'm trying to figure out what is mine to, um, to experience and what isn't mine to experience. And I think the word shamanic might not be mine to experience, but I can still be an effective um, practitioner of the arts and heal others. Um, even if I don't have that experience, even if I don't have that word along my healing journey, I've learned that when I heal somebody, um, alone without drumming, without smoke cleansing without all of that, just with intention, I, um, picture their energy fields as a stopped up drain. So in at least where I live, um, we have, we have, uh, channels where, where rainfall can fall off the roof into these channels. And these channels frequently get stopped up by leaves from nearby trees. Cause we just kind of live in the woods. <laughs> 
it's not all the time, but one of my old bosses was from Texas and she came up and she goes, I, we were just driving through the forest and all of a sudden the school was there and I had to call my mom and say, mom, these people just live in the forest because it's just so unusual for other people. So anyways, I, so I picture that their energy field, their channels that their energy flows through is stopped up by leaves. And sometimes all you need to do is scoop them out, right? You scoop out the leaves and then it can flow freely or you can apply um, a lot of pressure for what with water in order for the leaves to clear themselves out, right? If I take a hose up on top of my gutter and I and I run the hose really strongly, it might hopefully clear out some of those leaves and I don't have to reach in there and touch all the gross stuff. So what I visualize is I, I form a loop. So I usually put when my hand on their shoulder or their head and then I will ask for their hand in the other with my free hand. So that way I form a loop and I just run, I just run energy through them. So I run energy up through my heart and then it goes down into their body through whatever. I trust their body to know what they need the energy for to clear out the leaves from whatever it is. I don't need to know all of that. So I just give the body some of the energy. It flows through and then it comes back to me and I... I, um, without judgment, without anything, I just kind of clear it out and then send it back through again. So we form this little loop and, um, I find that that helps me not to take on all of the gross stuff from their energy field and heal without needing to be healed myself, even though I do frequently need to be healed myself. And then, um, I, I was working one of my friends had really bad back problems for quite a while. Um, and it was so bad. So I was like, here, let me try this. So just as usual, I put my hand on the spot that I knew was a problem. And I put um, his hand in my hand on the other side. Now, I usually I do this from their back. Um, so it's not like I'm like hugging them or anything, but I place my hand behind them on their back, their other hands in mine. And then we just sat there for a little bit. And I started kind of feeling my hand getting hot, but I figured I was just, I was just making stuff up. Right. Cause like, I know what's supposed to happen. And then he goes, Oh, your hand is like hot. <laughs> like this is really hot. Um, and I ended up, um, it surprised both of us cause he's very scientific, kind of a non-believer. Um, and I just thought that I was, I was having this placebo effect of like, I know what's kind of supposed to feel like. And, but we both went, oh, like this is not just, this is not just sending energy through and making it feel, um, a certain way in our minds. This is like my hand got physically warm. Like I became a hot pack, which was exactly what his back needed at that time. So all of that to say, that's my current healing journey and I want to um, talk about other methods of healing. And then we'll, of course, talk about some scams. I'm going to apologize. Um, I found there's so many quotes in my notebook that I did not write down where it was from. So, um, but I saw somewhere, quote, you don't heal by suppressing. You heal by feeling, facing, and releasing it. And it says led by heart um, at the end of that. So maybe that's where I found it from. Um, so one method of healing that you've probably heard about is Reiki. 
Um, Reiki was developed in the early 1900s. um, So over a decade, or sorry, over a century ago in, um, in Japan. And Reiki means universal energy in Japanese. So um, Mikao Usui developed this. And the Cleveland Clinic says that in Reiki, quote, practitioners use their hands to deliver energy to your body, improving the flow and balance to improve healing, which sounds like what I do, right? Like I'm, I'm using my hands, I'm delivering energy, um, and I'm improving healing. So I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe I do Reiki. Um, but um, Reiki also has these five... Um, I'm going to say secret with quotation marks because I was able to look them up. Um, but there's these five secret symbols that I do not utilize in my practice, um, because they're, they're literally Japanese kanji. Um, at least two of them are so, but let's talk about them really quick. So the first secret Reiki symbol is, um, chokure, which is power or strength. And it's, it's kind of, it looks like a labyrinth to me. So, uh, you start on the top left and then you go over to the right and then down, and then you spiral inward into the center. So that's strength. You can also go the other way and send strength out. The second one is Shehike, which is harmony or balance. Now this is harder to, um, to depict. Um, it, it looks like a, um, yeah, I know. I don't know. I just know that part of it has a little B on it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to rewrite these and I'll put them on the Omens and Epiphanies you, um, Instagram page, which is just Omens and Epiphanies. So you can see these for yourself. The third one is Hon Sha Ze Shomen. And I apologize because I don't actually speak Japanese. Uh, um, but that one is distance. Um, so it's it technically says having no past, present or future. Um, actually, no, sorry. It means having no past, present, or future, and it's used for distance healing. Now, this symbol is actually kanji, and it says, um, correct thought is the essence of being. So that's what that symbol says. And again, I'm not going to try to explain that because it's literally kanji symbols stacked up on top of each other as you do. The, um, fourth secret Reiki symbol is Daikomio, which is master. And it's about healing or enlightenment. And it's again, kanji symbols for enlightened nature or radiance of a numinous being or deity. And the fifth and final uh, master symbol for Reiki is Raku, which is completion. And it's a grounding symbol. Now this is I can explain this one. It looks like a lightning bolt. It's just, it's a zigs, it's three zigzags, um, like, you know, down, over, down, over, down. All of this, by the way, I got from AETW.org from James Deacon, who does a very good job of explaining the Reiki symbols um, and their meaning and their kanji. So I really appreciate your work, James. The, um, the other thing you might have heard of, and maybe not, because this is one that I haven't heard of, um, but is just as common as Reiki, if not slightly less common, but that's pranic healing. Um, now, pranic healing originated in India with Grandmaster Cho Kok uh, So, 
And um, there's different locations for this. The worldpranachealing.com website is um, vastly superior to the pranachealing.com website, which is more US-based. But um, prana is a Sanskrit word for the life force that sustains us um, physically, emotionally, and mentally, which reminds me of chi, right? Pranic healing reminds me of chi. So there's three steps to pranic healing. First, the practitioner um, will check and scan for energetic abnormalities. They call this the scanning phase. Next, they'll cleanse by removing energy abnormalities from the body. And then they replenish and revitalize. They transfer fresh energy into the the holes because as you remove things, there will be there will be these gaping holes for anything to just pop right into. Now, this also kind of sounds like what I do, except that I don't necessarily check or scan because it's none of my business where your problem is. But when I did know exactly where the problem was, I could heal it a little bit easier. So people who prefer pranic healing over Reiki love it because um, they have that part where you actually scan for where the issues are. I'm going to use um, a, I'm going to summarize a Cura <laughs> um, article, I guess. I don't really know if it's articles or not, but um, pra- um, Praveen Joshi had four reasons why prana was superior to Reiki. So first of all, they say, Um, that Reiki channels divine healing by touch or through symbols. The energy is subtle, and if the patient is non-receptive, it won't work. In pranic healing, a special color prana may be used. And what I'm hearing that person say is that that means that if the patient is non-receptive, it'll still work for pranic healing, but not Reiki. Because it wasn't very clear, but I just want to make sure that's clear on here. Um, They also say that pranic um, healing includes scanning. So that's what I said just now. So the healer is aware of your condition rather than relying on the intelligence of the divine. Now, I, when I heal, um, I rely on the intelligence of the body and the spiritual self, but I guess we can call that the divine. I don't really know. Um, Number three, pranic uh, will clean before it revitalizes. So it just, it doesn't just energize the body. It also clears out the old stuff. And number four, and this is an interesting callback to our Reiki or sorry, to our chakra episode. Um, Reiki uses the seven chakra system and Prana uses a 13 chakra system, which as we know from the, um, chariot episode where I talked about chakras, apparently, (laughs) I'm looking back through my notes and they are very, they're different than I remember doing, but I guess that's just what happens. I, it, it soaks in and then I just let it go. Um, so we know that, um, what we've Westernized chakras, (laughs) we have culturally appropriated them, um, in a way that is not fair to the original system. So it's interesting that prana healing uses 13, um, the 13 chakras, which, is one of many options as we talk about chakras. One more type of healing I wanted to touch on only because um, my partner's mother practices is theta healing. So embrywomenshealth.com walks us through theta healing. And um, in 1995, Vianna Stabal um, healed her own leg tumor um, through meditation and just a spiritual philosophy. 
and she's taught others how to um, help others <laughs> do this work. Um, to it's kind of a co- it's like a life coaching rather than a than a physical healing, so this can be easily done remotely. Um, and the interesting thing to me is that they have this idea that there are five basic frequencies that our brain um, lives in gamma, beta, alpha, theta, and delta. And I don't like that because that's not in the order of the Greek alphabet, but whatever. Um, So we, we usually use them one at a time and something seems to be dominant. So if we're meditating, sleeping, or in hypnosis, theta is the dominant wave. Um, And so during theta healing, the brain will enter this wave and the individual, the person who is, um, who, who owns this brain works with the creator, God, or universe, depending on whatever your beliefs are. Um, this website goes through a a bunch of different things about what, um, basically what meditation and healing can do for you. They call it specifically for theta healing, but, um, revealing your perfect career you can do through meditation or wild writing or whatever as well. So, um, during a session, it's about half an hour to an hour and a half, the practitioner will dig. Um, They keep going through all of your statements to get to the bottom belief. And then they try to shift that. Um, So it's a lot, it feels like therapy to me where the therapist goes, so how do you feel about that? Right? Um, So getting to the to the root of the trouble through early trauma, they also might do um, muscle testing. And it's always very safe. um, And the practitioner will also maybe do a little bit of like a Reiki light from farther away. Um, Now, this I feel I mm, I personally feel that um, theta healing is Reiki plus um, therapy. But to be honest with you, I've never done either therapy or Reiki. (laughs) So um, I have done theta healing, um, but that's that that's kind of what I felt like it was. It reminded me of both of those things. Um, now, so theta healing is fairly new, um, since 19, since the late 1900s, um, a good century after all the rest of them. So it's fairly hard to find a theta practitioner, um, but they're fairly inexpensive once you do. They're not, they're not non-expensive, but they're probably, um, about the same as therapy. And then, um, pranic healing is harder to find. Um, I, I live in the Pacific Northwest and my nearest one is in Canada. So I'd have to cross a border, um, to get this pranic healing, which is interesting. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily, um, surprising because it's one that I haven't really heard of, but maybe it's more common in other places. If I were to travel to Canada to get that, um, that specific one would cost me about $130 and they don't specify an amount of time. So I assume it's an hour. And then Reiki is much more common. Um, I just looked up a, what it would cost for a Reiki session and that's about 50 to hundred dollars. So cheaper, more accessible. Um, but again, there's different feelings around, around about what is, um, what's the best one, you know, 
The other thing I found interesting was um, the cost to become a practitioner of any of these things. So for Reiki, um, it's it's three classes. There's three different levels. The last one is the one where you learn um, the Reiki symbols. So you're welcome. <laughs> I just saved you a thousand dollars. So it's usually about seventy seven dollars um, to start Reiki. And then each class after that is a thousand. So it should be about two thousand to three thousand dollars to learn how to do Reiki. But then you're ready to go to become a pranic healer. Um, it's multiple classes. It's about five levels. I found the Golden Light Healing Center offering all five levels for $1,840. So quite a difference, um, quite steep. And to be honest with you, here's, okay, here's where I am at right now. I already do this. I have a method of healing, but it doesn't have a fancy name. And so I wonder, um, you know, how many people would come looking for healing without looking up the word pranic or reiki or theta healing, right? People just look up like spiritual healing and then we'll just accept somebody who's quote unquote untrained. I feel like I'm trained. I feel like the universe has taught me lessons that I use to heal others, right? That I feel like that's what training is. But with that being said, and this is a question for me, it's rhetorical. Should I look into becoming a Reiki practitioner or a pranic practitioner? I don't know. Or a theta healer. I don't know. Um, that's something that would not happen soon. Um, and I just, it feels kind of weird. Now, here's the thing. Um, I, I didn't find anywhere that said that any of this was appropriative. Um, it feels like this is just a sort of healing thing. Now, they, they use the chakra system, which is appropriative, but, um, uh, prana uses 13 of the chakras, right? So maybe that's disappropriative because they're finally like, Hey, don't use that system. It's wrong. Uh, but it didn't, it, these don't feel like they're appropriative. What does feel a little bit concerning to me, and I want to just, I want to end with this, even though it's a low note, um, is that pe- people will, under the guise of spiritual healing, tell you that you're cursed. <laughs> um, they'll, they'll give you, usually the key here is that they'll give you a free healing session just to get you in. Okay. If they say it's $150, you'll go, I don't need it. (laughs) Okay. Bye. But if they're like, Hey, come in for a free healing. And then during the session, they say, there's a curse put on you by your, by somebody in your past. There's a, um, generational, generational curse, or, um, there's something that's about to be put on your children, right? They do some sort of fear tactic to get you to go, oh shoot, like this, first of all, isn't my fault, but second of all, is my problem, right? Because if somebody says, hey, your great, great grandma had a curse put on her by her neighbor, witch, and it's going to get passed on to your children if you don't do anything about it. Well, you don't want that. You don't want to have it passed on to your children. So you say, oh, okay, great. What do we do about it? And then they go, hmm you, I, I will take care of this all for you, but it'll be very, um, 
they don't usually say the word expensive. What they say is that it'll cost a lot of energy spiritually and a lot of time energetically. So I need a thousand dollars from you. And you go, yep, here you go. Because this is important. This is going to affect my children. If I don't, here's a thousand dollars. And they just go, thank you. Bye. (laughs) There was no curse. There was no, there's no curse. There's no way to solve this, right? It's, it's just, it's just a problem. And so I just want to caution you that if you start looking for healing, um, and you find somebody that does that, just say, I'll take care of it. And then I don't know, come back because maybe we'll do an episode on spell casting because I'm starting to collect spell, um, spell components. Like I cleaned and crushed up some egg shells. And when I cleaned out my, my, um, fireplace, I took some of the soot from that. So I'm curious now on how to put these things together and create like a protection spell or whatever. Um, so we're going to find out together eventually. (laughs) So just come back. We'll break curses together if there are any, but there probably aren't. Um, nobody cared about your great, great grandmother enough to curse her. I'm sorry to say. I hope you learned something because I sure did. (laughs) Um, and I hope you come back next week for our episode on the devil, which I'm very excited for. I say next week very broadly. I hope you come back next time for our episode on the devil. And thank you so much for your patience with me. If you've been here since the beginning or episode three or whatever, and you've been wondering where I am, I'm here. And I listen, 52, no, 52 is a deck of normal cards. 72 episodes feels like a lot. Um, the major arcana is definitely doable. I can do 24 episodes or 22 episodes. I'm, I'm, I've, I'm over halfway there, but I also kind of want to do ones on runes. I want to do some on the actual other cards. I probably just won't do one episode per card in the minor arcana. I might just do the courts, um, and then maybe the numbers or the suits, just a couple more episodes on that. But I am committed to finishing this So don't worry about getting attached to me and I go away. (laughs) Okay, it's not going to happen because this is important to me. It just might not be within a year. We're just going to go at our own pace, okay? We're going to do our own thing. It's going to be great. So if you want, you can find me at Omens and Epiphanies on Twitter. I'm not on there very frequently, but I can be. Um, Facebook and Instagram, it's Omens and Epiphanies with the ampersand. Sorry, Twitter is Omens Epiphanies because Twitter told me I couldn't have too many letters. And then my website is omensandepiphanies.com. And I hope you have a beautiful day. Okay, bye.